Thank you for listening to this episode of No Days Off. If you like anything you hear, go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, as well as subscribe to our feed at You Thought Sport and listen to our main show that we do every week. All right, what is up? This show, No Days Off, is it going to be a new show where I will preview some trades, signing cuts, draft news, and other NFL news that happens during the offseason. And it's going to be an incredibly fast-paced show where I might record something and then the next day something else happens entirely. Before I was making this episode, I was planning to do some offseason previews and then players were getting cut, Amari Cooper got traded, a lot of things had happened. So I'm going to do my best to keep up with everything. And today we're going to talk about the franchise tag and some of the implications that happen with the franchise tag. Keep in mind, I'm recording this on Monday, March 14th. So today is the legal tampering day for the NFL. Teams are allowed to start negotiating some contracts, although they can't sign them. So we're going to see a lot of those things happen soon. And I'm also going to talk about a lot of the quarterbacks that got traded and some of the moves that are going to happen down the road, probably within the next week and a half or so. So keep, you know, keep your eyes open on our feed at Youth Thought Sport right now to look for my show, uh, look for our weekly show where we're going to keep up with a lot of this offseason news and things. And if you're a fan of a team that has an eye on a free agent, the franchise tag can be like a super, super, super bad thing for you. But it's also a great tool for a lot of smaller, smaller markets to hold on to talented players and essentially spread the wealth of talent across the league. Otherwise, teams would just, you know, leave from Green Bay and Chicago for warmer weathers and everybody would play in San Francisco and LA. And then maybe a lot of teams might move over to Arizona type deal. Everyone would just kind of be searching for warmer weather. And this offseason, seven players were tagged. So we're going to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly for each of these tags. First up is Chris Godwin. And probably one of the biggest goods that happened is that Tom Brady came out of retirement, even though he was only retired for about 40 days. Uh, Chris Godwin sticking around, coupled with Tom Brady coming out of retirement, is a fantastic thing for the Buccaneers. They keep a high-value perennial pro bowler, and more often than not, great players do not become available. So letting one walk would just kind of be foolish. This will be the second year that Chris Godwin is playing on the franchise tag, but I mean, don't be surprised if a longer contract is reached during this offseason and the franchise tag gives them until I think July 15th to be able to do that quarterback or they, they want to foster a young quarterback having Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and then maybe, you know, keeping Leonard Fournette, Scotty Miller, whatever the rest of the offense looks like keeping those guys together will, you know, be really valuable for a young quarterback. The bad news is, is like I said, this is the second year that Chris Godwin has been franchise tagged. And essentially, they are having two years to work out a deal with their star. And every passing year, the price goes up, and Chris Godwin just tore his ACL. And I want to say that this is the second time that he has torn his ACL in his entire career. So the, the sides of a contract might be very wide. Chris Godwin obviously is going to want as much money and security as possible. And I wouldn't blame the Buccaneers for being a little bit hesitant about that. They had two years to make this deal go, go happen. And now this is the second time that he's, you know, missed a part of the season, especially in crucial time 
with injuries, broken finger, torn ACL, whatever it might be. Chris Godwin has been relatively unavailable for the Buccaneers. And couple that Carl da- Carlton Davison, excuse me, Carlton Davis could walk. He's their cornerback one. Their secondary wasn't very good. I know Anton Winfield the second is an incredibly talented player for them, but I think it's kind of overblown how easy it is to replace corners. As far as the, the list of talent of, of importance on a roster and having high talented players in those spots, the quarterback is obviously number one. You probably protect the quarterback at left tackle, number two. Number three would be an edge rusher to get the quarterback, right? It all circles around the quarterback. But number four or five is either wide receiver now, I think in this current NFL, and corner. And a team without a number one corner. And a lot of defensive coordinators have corner dominated schemes. It will be harder for the Buccaneers to replace, especially Tom Brady's coming back. They're going to have to resign like 24 free agents. Chris Godwin is going to want a big contract and they're not going to find another big corner in free agency. So they're just going to have to draft incredibly well. And it's not out of the realm of a possibility, but it becomes a lot harder. And the ugly isn't really the ugly anymore. I mean, this kind of just pushes back the quarterback, you know, watch for them, whether or not they try to find a replacement this year. Uh, it's not a very good year to do that. Do that. Uh, you know, whether they believe Kyle Trask can move into the, the starting quarterback role and they want to give Tom, him one more year underneath Tom Brady to, to do that, whatever that looks like. The ugly is, is that between high-priced, veterans and a lack of a quarterback the next two years for the Buccaneers could be incredibly ugly. The Jacksonville Jaguars who are set to be big spenders as of uh, recording this right now, they signed Christian Kirk or they're going to, to make about $84 million on a four year deal. Uh, and then also signed Brandon Sheriff, the right guard, right or left guard for the Washington football team. But they decided to use their tag on left tackle Cam Robinson. And they have the number one overall pick. And it's expected to believe that they're going to go and get like an offensive lineman. Evan Neal, Iki Iquanu is kind of the growing favorite right now. Or they can go for an edge rusher. But we'll talk about what their draft strategy should be a little bit farther down the road. Robinson is their most valuable free agent, no doubt. Uh, a team that's rich in cap space and looking for talent. I can see why they would tag him. I said it earlier about the, the franchise tag teams aren't exactly flooding, you know, fighting to get into Jacksonville right now. It's probably like one of the less desirable places in Florida. Uh, It's like kind of Miami or Orlando and then Jacksonville and Tampa Bay are kind of sitting on the outside looking in, but most team, most players want to go to the West coast. They want to play in LA. They want to play in San Francisco. They, you know, go are going to Arizona and uh, Dallas and these places, even though it's not West Coast. But Jacksonville is not on the list. Out of 32 teams, Jacksonville is probably like 25th. Maybe. Maybe it's 32. And having a guy like Cam Robinson that sticks on the roster will be nice. He can move along the other slots of the offensive line if they go and add another tackle. He can play the other guard position since they added Sheriff. And, you know, he's a big, he's a, big body and you can make it work and find a way. And we, it wouldn't be the first time that we see 
talented players who succeed at other roles like Eric Flowers was not an incredibly good tackle, but he's one of the better guards in the league. So Cam Robinson can move and be one of the better guards in the league for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they can sure up their interior offensive line if they decide to add a left tackle in Terran Armstead or draft a left tackle with the number one overall pick, whatever that looks like. The bad news is, is like Godwin, this will be the second year in a row that Robinson has been franchise tagged. And his tackle price, his price to play left tackle this year will be $16 million. Now for a franchise left tackle, $16 million doesn't really feel like much. The price is going up. They're going to make 20, 25, you know, million dollars. And as the salary cap increases, that number is just going to become, you know, $30 million. There's number two on the list for most valuable position. So I don't blame, you know, the teams wanting to pay a guy like that. But Cam Robinson isn't exactly a great left tackle. If I'm signing him, it's not exactly going to be a $25 million deal. But his floor right now is $16 million. And if you were willing to pay him $16 million for one year, why wouldn't you be willing to pay him $16 million at least for five years? He allowed 29 sacks and he ranked 48th amongst qualifying tackles. Not exactly, you know, a Pro Bowl, All Pro, franchise type talent that the Jaguars could really ask for. And if you have the number one overall pick, having a guy being paid $16 million, who isn't exactly fantastic, kind of leaves your head scratching a little bit. And that kind of is part of the ugly. In Jaguars fa- fashion, they have a chance to get better and get cheaper and they don't. It's not guaranteed that Neil and Iquano are definitely going to be better, but I would bet on it. And if they're just as good, they're $16 million cheaper. Essentially. I know the first overall pick has a higher price tag, but essentially, I mean, they'd probably be $8 million cheaper at worst $5 million cheaper. And I know that they're rich in cap space, but you need help wherever you can get it right now. So it just leaves your head scratching a little bit. And on to the Green Bay Packers, who certainly won't regret making this move. It was interesting because Brian Gutenkus said he doesn't believe in the franchise tag, and he, he would rather not use it if, if he had the choice or the possibility of Devontae Adams Hidden free agency was on the table. But we obviously knew that that was not the case. Why in the hell would you let Devontae Adams just walk for nothing to eventually sign with the Raiders or follow Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos if that were the case? Why would you do that? Well, the good news is, is that they actually did use a franchise tag on Devontae Adams. And whether or not he does you know, or doesn't play in Green Bay, you at least get something for him. If he does play, he's Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. He's without a doubt the best wide receiver in the league, and he'll be worth every penny that you could possibly spend on him. This also gives the Packers extra time to work on the contract. I don't imagine that they would just plan on tagging and tagging and tagging Devontae Adams for the next three to five years and then essentially run the, or three years, I think you can only tag, and essentially just run his price up and then let him go for nothing like, you know, the Washington football team did 
for Kirk Cousins. The Packers are going to get the extra time to work out the contract. He's going to get the extra contract. And this just gives them the flexibility. And to satisfy Aaron Rodgers, who definitely, I, I would not be mad at him for being upset if they let Devontae Adams walk. The bad news is, is that they're in cap hell. Aaron Rodgers, whatever the number actually is, he basically strong-armed the Packers and saying that he wanted to be paid $15 million a year. Today I was reading the news and Zadarius Smith has already been a cut or cap casualty for them. And Devondre Campbell is a really nice free agent for them. that They might not, not be able to get back as well. They're going to have to find ways to make this money work. The cap is almost imaginary if you do it well enough, but at the same time, it's only imaginary for so long. And they have a two-year, three-year, one-year window with this team, so they're going to have to find a way to make it work. But, you know, you would have rather have kept or made a deal with Devontae Adams earlier and then gone and franchise tagged a Devondre Campbell or whoever it might be and keep the rest of those, you know, valuable pieces together. It's incredibly underrated how good of a drafter Brian Gutenkus actually is. We all look at the Jordan Love move and we kind of made him this idiot where he had no idea what he was talking about. How could you be so wrong and say that Aaron Rodgers is washed up and Jordan Love, you traded up for him and now he won't play. And is he even that good after all? And he might not be good and sometimes players miss. But if you look at the Seahawks, the Seahawks have not drafted well since 2012. And at the very least, he drafted Eric Stokes. Brian Gook has drafted Eric Stokes. He has Jair Alexander. Devontae Adams wasn't a first-round pick. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, they're, they're not, he didn't draft them. But, like, the Packers as a team have drafted incredibly well. They have their head, you know, screwed on correctly. And they're going to find ways to add a lot of good players in here. And when you have some of these talented players, like Zadarius Smith, who just got cut, Devontae Campbell, who you kind of found, and now he is uh, essentially walking as a high-priced free agent, you have to be able to keep some of them. Bill Belichick lets guys go a year early or so. He has to, at some point, keep some of them. Because you can't always just dip back into the pool, find another guy, and run it back and have him be the same level replacement player. It just doesn't work like that. As good as a GM might be, it just doesn't work like that. And right now, having two high-priced veterans on this team in Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams makes it super hard to find someone else to fill these other roles. And the ugly is, is there really an ugly as far as, in a nutshell, having Adams and Aaron Rodgers together? The ugly is that they just don't have any money. But that was kind of the case anyway. The Dallas Cowboys have already made some moves this offseason. The most notable one is that Amari Cooper got traded to the Browns for like a fifth-round pick. They also re-signed Michael Gallup to a four- or five-year, $60 million deal. And they used their franchise tag on Dalton Schultz. And with Cooper getting traded, the Cowboys need to make sure that they keep Dak Prescott's favorite target. So $10 million isn't exactly terrible. That's what his salary is going to be on the franchise tag. It makes him the highest paid or tied for the eighth highest paid tight end in the league. But it's always going to cost them something. 
to keep a number or to keep a player like Dalton Schultz. I mean, is he the best player in the league? No, he is probably like the eighth best tight end in the league, maybe. And I think on a good week, he's fourth. But the problem with having it, we're going to go straight into the bad, is now his floor is $10 million. Follow this logic. If the Cowboys were willing to spend $10 million on Schultz this year, again, like Cam Robinson, why can't they do it every year? I'm not saying that they need to go to Dalton Schultz, throw a $6 million deal on the table and say, take it or leave it. You're either a Cowboy for $6 million or you're a, a Jaguar for 10. That's on. That's your decision to make. No, you're going to have to find ways to make it work. But they are going to have to overpay. Jerry Jones is in the business of overpaying. And when you have talented free agents, sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to reward them for the time. You reward them even more for the time that they spent producing for you, as well as paying them to produce down the road. And Jerry Jones loves to do it. Ezekiel Elliott got paid two years too early in too much money. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, you'd probably say he got paid way too much money. Amari Cooper, they waited way too long to sign him, and then he got paid way too much money. And you know how I feel. Dak Prescott probably got paid way too much money. And I'll probably be the same thing with Dalton Schultz. In three years, in two years, and maybe in one year, we'll be saying, man, I can't believe they paid Dalton Schultz $13 million a year. Because like I said, his floor is 10. If, he, if you're going to franchise tag, tag him this year and you throw a 6 to $8 million deal on the table, why in the hell would he sign that? Why would he take that down the road when he can just get franchise tag for the next two years and then walk and have another team pay him a pretty price. Because he's not old. He's not 35. He's not even 30. You just let, I mean, you're just going to have to keep him around. And I think, look, he, he does what he needs to do for the Cowboys. And maybe in a bigger role, he might be a better player. And I, can, and I can solidly put him in the top four, top three category. But when you look at other tight ends across the league, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, uh, Mike Gesicki, Kyle Pitts eventually. Who am I missing? Those type of guys. Travis Kelsey. Did I say him? Travis Kelsey. When you have those guys, can he do what Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and uh, George Kittle do? No. Can he do what they do at half the the efficiency and talent? Maybe. But are you going to pay him half of their price? No. Why would he take that? The prices are going up. And they're already over the cap, so it's going to be hard. And the ugly is, is who's easier to replace? Amari Cooper or Dalton Schultz? Can you find a number one wide receiver in the third round? Or do you think you could find a number one tight end? Not saying that Schultz is expendable. Not saying he's not good. But definitely more replaceable. And Lyle Collins as well is probably leaving the team. They requested permission, or they gave him permission to request a trade and find another trade partner somewhere out there. So it's going to be ugly for the Cowboys here in the next coming years. It it makes sure that Fultz or Schultz becomes a main focal point of the offense and fill the role that Cooper has. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's questions, if he's good enough to do that. The chiefs 
tagged Orlando Brown after trading a first-round pick to the Baltimore Ravens last year. He has really wanted to have that left tackle money, so there's going to be no surprise if he decides to go for every single penny that he possibly can with the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, when you have a high-talented player, you cannot let him walk, and this gives them absolutely more time until July 15th to, to do a contract. We, we know that that's a big thing for the, for the franchise tag, is you essentially just keep him around for longer negotiation talks. And the great thing is that the Chiefs are a smart organization. They got Joe Tooney. You know, they traded for Orlando Brown. They rebuilt their offensive line from like the ground up, basically. <clears throat> and they clearly plan to keep it built. So why let Orlando Brown go? The bad news is, is essentially Brown is not a perfect player. And, you know, he's not exactly like, you know, value in the, in the league and price are different. A lot of these players are not that good enough. Like their value as a, as a player, as a position is high, but there, are they really like great enough to warrant some of these high paychecks? Well, Leonard Brown has been hurt time and time again. And, you know, I think he's a really, really, really good left tackle. Is he one of the five best left tackles in the league? Kind of up in the air. And for the Chiefs, they have Tyreek Hill on a high contract. They're probably going to give him an extension. Patrick Mahomes is going to have a $45 million cap hit. Travis Kelsey eventually is going to need another contract. Uh, Chris Jones, they let Frank Clark go. Like, they're not exactly in a great position. And I get why, again, we all understand why they're doing it. It's just bad for a team who you would like to see some of these contracts stagger a little bit more instead of all being on the menu at one time. And the ugly news is is that Tyron Mack... Tyron Matthew walks out the door and he's ex- and he plans on exploring free agency. And, you know, you can argue whether or not Matthew has lost a step, but you can't argue that he's not the best player, at least in the secondary and probably on that defense. Chris Jones is good. He's, he's not good. He's great. He's great. But Tyron Matthew is way better than Shadavius Ward or Legereus Sneed or Daniel Sorensen. And, you know, they're probably going to add another corner in this year's draft, but Tyron Matthew is a pro bowler. He's a leader. He is an all-pro. Top three at his position, maybe. So, you know, great players are hard to come by, and letting them leave essentially is tough. You know, having to have a constant contract negotiation with a left tackle all the time because they want tons of money makes it, really hard for the team and these players have to do whatever they can to protect themselves and get what they can out of the game. I understand that. But, you know, from a big umbrella thing, definitely leaves a dent in some of the team's talent level. And it's going to be harder to maintain a ta- a dynasty. The tags get larger and larger every year. You can't just keep tagging players. These teams are getting better and better. Russell Wilson just got traded to the Broncos. Josh Allen is going to be you know, in the division for a long forever, Joe Burrow, um, you know, Justin Herbert is only getting better. The team just traded for Cleo Mack. You have to hopefully find a collective agreement within this team that we need to find a way to win championships. And I think that the Chiefs are not dumb enough to try to lowball everybody and expect them to take Tom Brady deals. 
but you know constant contract negotiations high price tags they weigh on you i'm actually gonna start backwards for jesse bates who the cincinnati Bengals tagged and i honestly can't think of an ugly for this team there are no huge implications for a team that i think extremely overachieved last year by making it to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are better than we thought they were going to be. T. Higgins is a stud. Tyler Boyd is a really good wide receiver. Joe Mixon has emerged. The defense played really, really well. As Eli Apple is still a decent corner. I know that everybody likes to, to cook him all the time. And Jesse Bates is probably one of the three best safeties in the league. He played way, way, way above his pay grade and his expectations in the playoffs. And despite struggling through the regular season, you know, Dwayne Wade was not exactly this regular season phenom. He doesn't have an MVP. But when Dwayne Wade played in the playoffs, he was that guy. You had to go through him. And I think Jesse Bates kind of fits that mold as well. When when it comes for the playoffs, when it comes time to perform, Jesse Bates was a huge role for the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're going to have a lot of money to spend, so they're going to be able to do whatever they want. And having Bates, you know, on on the roster is you know, essential. Like I said, I think DBs and I said corners, but I think DBs are just as important as you know, uh a wide receiver might be for a lot of these teams and they found their franchise number 1 who's on a rookie deal. They have their franchise quarterback who's on a rookie deal. Um, their number two was on a rookie deal and you know, you can afford to kind of stagger these contracts because by the time that it's time to pay Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Jesse Bates is going to be three years into his contract and you can restructure. So why not make the deal? He's earned it. Um, he's explained his desire not only to stay, but he's not going to fleece the Bengals at the same time. So, I mean, it, that that's all the good stuff that comes with Jesse Bates plays. Well, team player, big part of the organization wants to continue to be a big part of the organization. So, you know, the only bad is that you want to get a contract sooner rather than later because you can, you know, get that cap number to go down and be more aggressive in free agency. I'm recording this on March 14th and there's no deal that's been made yet. It's not exactly going to be uh, the end of the world for the Bengals or a deal breaker if they have to pay Jesse Bates what a franchise tag would pay him this year, which I think is, let's say, 10 mil. Not 100% sure. But if it is 10 mil, I mean, you would like to have a contract for him to lower his cap hit and then to keep team morale up, you know, throughout the entire season for a team that's looking to continue on their success. Another Cleveland team or Ohio team, excuse me, is the Cleveland Browns who tagged David and Joku. <clears throat> and I think David and Joku is a freak athlete for the, for the position. We love Kyle Pitts, but before Kyle Pitts, there was Evan Ingram and David Njoku, who I think are just as explosive and fast and may not have exactly the same level of production, route running, hands type deal, but, you know, they're both first, I mean, David Njoku is a first round pick. Oh, if I remember correctly, Evan Ingram is a first round pick. Kyle Pitts was a top 10 pick. So they, the Browns get to keep their first round pick. And they get to stay afloat for a dwindling offense, even if they added Amari Cooper. They also released Jarvis Landry. We know Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. And we know that their focal point for the defense or their offense is the running game. 
So they get to keep afloat. They get to give Baker something. But the bad news is, is that Njoku is going to cost $10 million, which again ties for eighth amongst tight ends. He's dwindling as a player and paying somebody $10 million for a lackluster performance is not a great thing. Along with paying another player on the roster at the same position, $13 million for lackluster performance is Austin Hooper, who still is on the roster. And he is like uh, the third or fourth highest paid tight end in the league right now. So having Amari Cooper, having Austin Hooper, having David Njoku now puts three high-priced veterans on the team, $10 million, $13 million, and $16 million. For what I would say, players aren't exactly worth their price tag. It may not fit. Like Baker Mayfield is being questioned as a starting quarterback in you know, the league, and especially for that organization. I'm not extending him. I wouldn't extend him this year. I would make him play at his fifth-year option as well, and I would kind of see what we got going on here. <clears throat> and I don't know if David Njoku is going to be the difference. I don't even know if he'll be the difference if they bring in a Marcus Mariota or they try to trade for a Derek Carr or they go and they get um, a free agent or a quarterback in the draft next year, a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young, if that opportunity presents itself. It's just a, like I get you want to get value out of these first-round picks, but, I mean, this, I don't know if David and Joku necessarily is going to make a huge difference for you unless you find a different way to use him. He caught four touchdowns for, like, 600 yards. It's all right. Not great. And even last year, he requested a trade. Like, the ugly thing about this is that if Baker has to prove himself the whole year, he might play desperate, and he might make more mistakes, and the team might fail and fall short of their expectations. And if Njoku's on the roster, he may request a trade again. You're not going to get a first-round pick back for him. Amari Cooper just went for a fifth. Uh, you probably get like a fourth-round pick or a sixth-round pick somewhere in there for Njoku for a $10 million tight end. So I don't know if it exactly is the best deal in the world. Or something that I would be, you know, jumping up in the air and clicking my heels because I'm so excited we got to keep that player, you know. Mike Gesicki is very similar, yet a little different. He's arguably, he's one of the five best players at his position. And in 2021, if you owned him in fantasy, you would know that he broke out last year. Like, he was like the third best wide receiver in fantasy football and... I know that fantasy football is not the end-all be-all of determining who is good in the league and who is bad. It's about opportunity. But he broke out, and it's important to have somebody who is on a really big year return for you down the road. More time to talk about extension. He's like 26 years old, and they already re-signed Emmanuel Agba, so there's nothing really too scary about wait, like prolonging the extension talks. They're going to want to be you know, big game hunting this offseason as well. Go and sign a left tackle or left slash right tackle. Go and add another wide receiver one or two on this team and do what they can to to keep Tua afloat. But keeping Gusecki is kind of right right where you need to be. He's one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the league. And 
to the case where I said the about David and Joku and <clears throat> Dalton Schultz. Is he Travis Kelsey? No, he's not that great of a route runner. Is he George Kittle? No, he's not that great of a blocker. Is he Mark Andrews? I'd give him that. I'd give him he's just as good or a step down. Mark Andrews definitely gets the volume because he doesn't have great teammates that catch the ball. But I would say that if you if you let Gusecki just become a big part of the offense, he could definitely do it. He's one of those like, you know, spread out slot receiver, big body type tight ends. He's not a run blocking tight end, but I'd take him. And the bad thing is, is that Mike McDaniels is going to run the Kyle Shanahan offense. And schematically, he doesn't fit. You know, Gusecki gets to stay on the roster, and Mike McDaniels, who is certainly a smart guy, it seems, has to figure out how to use it. And I think he will. But, you know, initially, if you want to just run the same offense, it's going to be harder with Gusecki. Another bad news is that, you know, he just, they haven't come to, to terms on agreement or even come closer to terms on a contract. Uh, whether or not they're actually talking at all is up in the air. But, you know, again, like the Bengals, they're they're so rich in cap space that I would kind of like let it go that $10 million isn't that much. I think Gusecki's going to get $13, $14 million a year on a new contract. But <clears throat> you you just like to get these things done sooner rather than later. And having players that stay on uh, franchise tag for the whole year can weigh down teams who want to look to improve. And the Dolphins are certainly looking to make the playoffs this next year. But the ugly thing is, is that Tua is their quarterback. And same thing with the Baker Mayfield thing with Njoku is that there's questions whether or not he will be the starting quarterback for this team going forward. So it could just lead to a lot of really bad morale things for the team if Njoku, and, or excuse me, if Kiseki and Tua are not on the same page, and they can't get some anything work going, and you know it's just it's this whole thing. It's not really good for the Dolphins. Has nothing to do with Gasicki, but he's a part of the team, so he's roped in. You remember when I said this was going to be a fast-paced show? I was going to preview some of these uh, free agents and where they should go, but you know, as of today, it's the legal tampering window so guys can get signed in. Uh, J.C. Jackson just signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. There's a five-year, $86 million deal, or $82 million deal, which is a lot short, smaller than I thought it was going to be, actually. I thought he was going to get $100 million. But, you know, J.C. Jackson is, is a name that was on the market who the Patriots weren't going to franchise tag because of cap situations. Tyron Matthews, another guy that's on the market who the Chiefs can't franchise tag because they already used it on... Orlando Brown, which we talked about earlier. Carlton, da- Carlton Davis, we talked about earlier. Can't franchise tag him either. He was a cornerback one in the league. And Chandler Jones is an interesting one because a lot of teams are, are going to be pursuing, pursuing him you know, this offseason. Randall Gregory, uh, Emmanuel Ogba was a guy. He's, he's off the market. I mean, there's some actually decent players. Like, you don't normally get a lot of talented players in the free market uh, that you can just go and grab. So... It's going to be interesting to see where a lot of these guys go, and I'm certainly going to be reacting to them, you know, as more things goes on. I'm going to let some more of these dominoes fall, and I'll let J.C. Jackson, you know, I'm not just going to react one episode each signing type deal. We're going to go through a lot of these teams and a lot of the moves that they made, but, you know, like the Chargers are certainly making a lot of big moves. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll talk about a lot of these things going forward. As for right now, that's going to do it for today. 
Thank you for listening. If you like anything you heard, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us on our feed. We do a main show every week and we're going to do this show. Jared and Lucas are doing their pit stop show where they're going to talk about F1. A lot of great content as long as follow our social medias at Twitter and on Instagram as well. I, I pump out a lot of content, you know, so keep your eyes peeled for all that. We're, we got a lot of good stuff coming. We're, we're excited to build the show. Thank you.